Hi, my name is Kelly Graham, founder of Alivia Skincare. Welcome to All Things Real, a podcast about health, wellness, clean beauty, and all things real. So let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome. My name is Kelly Graham, and I am the founder of Alivia Skincare. This is kind of a surreal moment for me because um, this is my first podcast of hopefully many to come. Um, and uh, this is my first one. And not only that, I'm by myself uh, in the studio. And um, I'm here to tell really my story. We have had a wonderful last couple years with our business with Olivia. I have extremely faithful followers that have been with us from the very beginning, five and a half years ago now. And um, in the last couple years, it's just, I've been getting lots of questions, um, lots of questions about myself, lots of questions about how we got started, um, about Olivia, our mission, um, about our products. And so this year, I've known really for a long time that I've needed to kind of bust out of my bubble and start talking a little bit more about Olivia and the wonderful things that are going on and my mission as a mom and uh, with a family and two teenage girls and a husband and wanting to create beautiful, clean products for everyone. But um, it wasn't such an easy road to get there. Uh, Matter of fact, it was extremely uh, difficult, a lot of adversity. And when I met Mr. Fuego, who's here in the studio with me today, he's um, just a very beautiful, creative mind. And I met him in January. And when I started talking to him about my story, he looked at me and he said, you have to start your podcast off by yourself in a room and tell your story because your story is powerful and um, it needs to be told so that people can um, relate to who you are and what your mission is really all about. So here I am today and I'm going to talk a little bit, well actually a lot of it. Um, I didn't really rehearse for this. I think that when you're telling your story it just has to come from your heart and it just kind of flows. So um, I will start from the beginning of how this all started. And I'm going to preface by, I'm going to get into a lot of infertility issues that this is what really sparked um, a lot of difficult and dark times for me and for my husband. Um, but all everything that I'm talking about from now until when Olivia started, it will all make sense because in order for me to have, um, be sitting here today and, uh, have started Olivia five and a half years ago. Um, I had to go through all these adversities and health issues and um, all these struggles to have children. All of it had to happen in order to be part of God's plan to be here today and start this company. So um, I will begin. Um, my husband and I, ha- I'm 47 years old. I have two amazing daughters. One is almost 16 and one will be 13 in a couple weeks. And I have been married to for 21 years to my husband, Doug. And I just want to 
plug him for just a minute because I know that everyone sees me on social media as the face of Olivia, but my husband is really such an integral part of this business. He is the yin to my yang. Um, I am the creative um, thinker, the communicator, the um, relationship cultivator in Olivia, and he is the type A make sure everything runs efficiently. He um, is at our warehouse every day. He's into quality control, making sure all of the products are perfect. All of our products are handmade. Um, everything from beginning to end, he is an integral part of our company on a daily basis. And without him, uh, again, I wouldn't be sitting here today starting this first podcast because he's um, just such a wonderful part of and, and really to have a business, um, you have to have a left brain, right brain. You can't have two left brains. You can't have two right brains. You have to have the left and the right in order to run a successful company. Um, so with that said, uh, I met Doug my senior year in college. Um, he had already been out of school for a couple years. Um, we were blessed. We both had great careers right off the bat. And um, we got married when I was 26 and we bought a house right away. The white picket fence, the whole nine yards, everything was going smooth. And when I was 28, we decided it was time to start a family. Um, so we started trying and I got pregnant right away within the first couple months. And I went in for my first checkup, I think around 10 weeks and, uh, there was no heartbeat. So that um, was a, a big disappointment for Doug and I. It, the, the fetus really only lived to about week seven. Um, that was the gestation size. So um, we were extremely disappointed, but the doctor assured us that it was very common to miscarry for the first time and that after three, four months recovery with my body that we could try again. And so we did. Four months went by and we started trying again. No problem. I get pregnant again right away. And um, so we go along and they watched me a little bit more carefully. I went in around seven weeks, had a little bit of a heartbeat. Things were great. And they said, come back in around week eight, week nine, and we'll just check things again. Uh, I went back in um, at week nine and there was no heartbeat again. So the disappointment really starts to set in. You start to question yourself. What am I eating? Am I exercising too much? What's going on? Is This isn't normal. Um, and the doctors are pretty low-key about it. They say, you know, anything after two, if you start to have three, we start to kind of look into things a little bit more. But two, um, you know, things happen try again, wait four or five months and start trying again. So I pick my chin up and um, we go down this road and um, we try again and I get pregnant again right away. It's never a problem. And the pregnancy, once again, is not viable. And so this starts a really dark journey for Doug and myself, um, me being incredibly disappointed um, the the emotional and stressful part on my body, the um, 
it becomes a much more mechanical process to get pregnant and to go through all this instead of a natural process with your spouse. And for those of you out there that are struggling and going through this right now, you totally can relate to what I just said. And so this process would happen again and again and again and again. Um, And I won't get into all the details other than that it was a very horrendous three and a half years of um, miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. So finally, um, after we had gone through so many miscarriages, my fertility doctor looked at me and said, I think it's time for you to take an emotional and physical break from trying to have children. Um, It's just, this is just too much. So we need to regroup. You might need to think about potentially a surrogacy. You might need to think about adoption, but you need to go home and you need to do something else for a while and occupy your mind because this is just a little too much. So I'll never forget, we were walking out into the... um, the hallway and there was a girl there and she was holding a newborn baby and I started to small talk with her and of course the baby was beautiful and um, she said yeah I'm here actually I'm going to show um, I just wanted to show doctor uh, I won't say his name he's an infertility doctor here in town Um, I wanted to show him um, our new baby girl And I said, oh, that's really sweet. And she said, yeah, you know, we've gone through a really difficult time. I had nine miscarriages, and um, I found this amazing doctor in Chicago who helped me carry um, to term. And it was just unbelievable that I was walking out, she was walking in, we talk, and um, she ends up having the same issue that I had. So I kind of told her what was going on, and she said, you know what, do you mind if I call you? And I said, "Um, no, I'd love for you to call me. So we exchanged numbers. She called me, and she started telling me about this doctor in Chicago that had dedicated her life to women who had had repeat miscarriage. And she said, don't waste your time anymore going to any more of these doctors here in town. You need to go there. It's worth every penny. Just just try it. So, of course, trying to tell my husband this, because at this point, we've been to every doctor. I've had every blood test run. Nothing's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with him. And um, he's thinking it's just um, another moneymaker. So I convinced him because women have this unbelievable maternal instinct and drive to to have a child when they with if you want a child um, most women just have this burning desire in their heart and so we keep pushing and pushing and pushing to um, have our own children and so I um, made an appointment with this doctor in Chicago and they requested like 22 vials of blood which was something crazy but the one thing they did is they asked for blood from Doug And so we did that, and um, eight weeks later, we got a letter in the mail, and they said they were ready to have a consult with us. So we flew up there. It is at a university called, and I know because I I wrote this information down, it's obviously been almost 16 years ago um, that Reagan was born, but um, it is Rosalind Franklin University, and it is in Vernon Hills, Illinois. It's in the suburbs of Chicago. 
And the doctor there is Dr. Kwa Kim. It's K-A-W-K hyphen Kim. And she is an OBGYN who is specialized in um, infertility issues, um, autoimmune and alloimmune disorders um, that have to do with repeat miscarriage. So uh, we went there. We had an unbelievable appointment. It was the first doctor in three years that had actually um, explained to us what was happening and what was going on with my body. And that Doug and I shared an identical makeup in our white blood cell that was causing, we all have natural killer cells in our bodies, but it was causing the natural killer cells to become highly elevated in my body and it would cut the circulation off to the fetus every single time. And so every time I was getting pregnant, it the natural killer cells immediately detect that I'm pregnant and it um, causes a blood clot and it cuts the circulation off. So this is um, what was happening. It was the first time anyone had ever really explained the intricacies of what goes on with the body um, during trying to conceive and um, having <clears throat> these issues that I was having. So we signed up. I said, you know, w- w- she's like, I give you 80% chance to carry to term doing our protocol. And of course, right away, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And my my husband's like, wait a second, you know, what, what does this entail? And this is where it gets a little bit outside the box, a little controversial. Um, and again, the, the woman, the burning desire, maternal instinct in me to want to have my own children kicks in and I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. My husband's like, all right, what are the medical ramifications here? So the biggest thing um, that you have to do is infusions of IVIG. And if you don't know what that is, IVIG, um, it's screened for disease, third-party white blood cells that um, is like a drip, and it drips into your body. It's a very slow process. It takes three hours for each infusion. And what it does is it um, suppresses the NK cells in your body while you're pregnant and it keeps them from fighting off the pregnancy. But unfortunately with insurance, insurance considers this very experimental and therefore nothing is covered by insurance. And each infusion will run you somewhere around $3,500 to $4,000. So um, my husband about fell out of the chair. Um, Of course, you know, we're young, we're... um, 30, like 30, I was 30 years old. And um, he said, this is, this is crazy. I mean, they're not even giving you a for sure thing that this will work. And I just looked at him and I said, we have, we have to try. I mean, we, we have to do this. And so we did, we signed up as very emotional time. And um, so I became pregnant. You, you need to do the infusions of IVIG prior to conceiving so that you, my NK cells are very suppressed. And we went through this pregnancy. I had to do um, low-dose Lovenox shots twice a day into my stomach to keep my um, blood thin. I had to do massive rounds of progesterone every day, um, a shot, and I had to do these infusions of IVIG whenever my cells became elevated. Um, So the pregnancy, I get through the first um, trimester, which was amazing. I've never made it past um, 11 weeks in any of my pregnancies. Things go along. Uh, I'm also on massive rounds of steroids, so um, it was just 
I, I never enjoyed one day of my pregnancies because I just, A, you're so full of um, worry that the pregnancy is not going to work. And I just am just desperate to have the pregnancy be over so that I can have um, a baby. And uh, so we go along and I start doing great. Everything's fine. I make it through the pregnancy. Um, around 38 weeks, my OBGYN looked at me and said, there's no reason for you to be pregnant any longer. Let's, she's cooked. She's great. She's healthy. Let's deliver this baby. So um, in July of 2003, Reagan was born and all the, the stars aligned. It was um, it was just an, a very emotional day for everybody. It's amazing just to think about it now, 16 years later, it chokes me up because um, it was just this complete miracle that we had a child. And um, for my husband, and it was so funny when she, when she first came out, my husband, the first thing he said when he looked at her, she came out actually sunny side up with her eyes wide open. And she just looked around the room and he said, oh my God, it's my mini me. <laughs> And um, it was just, it was just a really special moment for everybody. My OBGYN was a good friend of mine, so everybody's crying, and it's just, um, it was just, it was beautiful. So Reagan has been the joy of our life for almost 16 years. She's um, just an old soul. She's sweet. She's never given me any problems. So God truly blesses us when we are patient with His timing. So. Um, we go along, and my husband absolutely is not on board to have more children. And <laughs> Fuego just handed me some tissue. So, <laughs> uh, so we, um, my husband is definitely not on board to have any more children. He said this was the craziest thing we've ever been through. Um, I can't stand to watch you put your body through this, much less my emotional state and yours. It's too much. Um, and so as God would have other plans, um, two years later, I become unexpectedly pregnant, which is a huge no-no with my condition. Since you're supposed to, um, pump your body full of IVIG prior to conceiving. And so I made the phone call to Chicago and I'll never forget. Actually, my husband was on a business trip and I called him and I said, well, we have a problem. And he said, what? And I said, um, I'm pregnant again. And he said, oh, good Lord. And I thought he was just going to absolutely, you know, I don't know, just go off the Richter. And instead he said, okay, well, let's do what we got to do. Call Chicago. So I did. And I, we called Chicago and they were not happy with me. Um, they said, probably things are going to be a little rough road with this pregnancy, but let's see what happens. So we um, started the IVIG right away. I had it FedExed. I would go over to Florida Hospital, and it was a pretty amazing time because I would uh, I found an oncologist at Florida Hospital who was willing to give me the infusions. And as I would sit there in the chair and have this three-hour drip done, I would look around me, and everybody sitting in chairs around me were all trying to sustain their own lives through chemotherapy, radiation, IVIG infusions, and I was sitting there trying to sustain a life inside of me, and it was um, a very profound time, and um, it was a very rough road. Um, I 
bled profusely in my first trimester. I'd have to go home and I would lay with my feet up in the air for 48 hours at a time, thinking for sure the pregnancy was over. And I wasn't mentally as bad because we had Reagan and I thought, you know, um, she's our miracle. We've had one child and um, this was not planned. But um, Faith Marie had plans uh, for us and um, I persevered through the first trimester and um, kept going and things started to look up and up with my pregnancy. And around 23 days, uh, 23 weeks, I'm sorry, four days, um, two days before Christmas, I went into my high-risk doctor to be checked. I was going in every four weeks to be monitored with this pregnancy. And um, he looked at me and he said, uh, how are you feeling? And I said, um, I feel great. And um, he said, well, I tell you what, we have a little bit of a problem. So why don't you go ahead and get dressed and come into my office and let's have a little discussion. And I'll never forget, I sat up from the table after the examination, and I just felt this sensation of complete despair come over my body. And like I couldn't even move. And I was by myself that day because I had so many doctor appointments. I just got to the point where Doug just wouldn't come with me anymore. So I got dressed and I went into his office and I sat in front of his desk and he looked at me and he said, well, I have some really, really um, bad news. He said, you are three centimeters dilated and you are fully exposed which means that your body is naturally going to want to deliver this baby probably in the next four to six days. And he said, at 23 weeks, four days, there's really no viability for this baby. And um, so I, I don't even think I had tears left at that point. I think I was just definitely in a state of shock. And he said, so I need for you to call your husband and your family and have them meet you here and with clothes, and I am going to line up a room for you at Florida Hospital. Now, mind you, this is two days before Christmas. I was having a dinner party the next night, you know, yada, yada. And everything just changed in that one moment. And so um, we did what we had to do. I went and checked into Florida Hospital, and um, I sat there with the neonatologist, and he basically told us that Florida Hospital is very conservative, and at 25 weeks, they do whatever they can to um, save a baby when they're born. But at 23 weeks, four days of viability, it's about 30 minutes outside of utero. And the reason why they discussed this ahead of time and asked, to sign a do not resuscitate is because I would have to deliver the baby and sometimes it becomes a very emotional process when that happens and you want them to try to save the baby and we know what the outcome will pretty much be at 99%. So um, we prayed about it and we decided that there's a reason why God has a gestation for 40 weeks for um, a child um, to be born. And um, so we did sign the do not resuscitate. And I put a gown on and I laid in the bed and I just waited. And they hooked me up to the machines and um, I just waited and waited and waited. And one week went by and then two weeks went by and then three weeks went by 
And my high-risk doctor, Dr. Huddleston, who is now retired, this amazing, amazing man, would come in and see me every morning at 6.30. And he, one day, he brought this huge poster-sized calendar that he made from, by hand, and he put it up on my wall. And he said, okay, kiddo, we are going to put an X every day that you get through one more day. And... um I don't know what it is, but there's something special about you and there's something special about what's happening here. So we're going to be positive. And he said, um, I think we have a miracle in the making. And um, so he tried to be jokester with me. I became a Sudoku puzzle expert. He would come in first thing in the morning and he would rip out the hardest Sudoku puzzle that um, he sometimes would take him two days to complete. And we had a competition going. And um, little did I know that he was doing me so much good by trying to stimulate my brain and keep it focused on something else because I didn't realize that the monumental stress that I was putting on my own mind and body. And um, so I made it to 27 weeks and we at 27 weeks, you have like a 75 to 80% viability in your pregnancy. And um, I became good friends with all my nurses. It was a very uh, interesting time. And just to let you know, um, I actually had to, I was on complete bed rest. I was actually on my side for most of the time. I couldn't even sit up to eat because I couldn't put any pressure on my cervix. And I remember when I was laying there and I had these big windows that looked outside and I could see all the people moving around and coming and going and getting in their cars. And I thought to myself, if this works out and this pregnancy works out, I just, I'm never going to take things for granted. I mean, you know, you sit here and you look out there and you see people scurrying about and you realize that God has an unbelievable purpose for all of our lives to do great things. And I just remember promising myself that if I got out of here and everything was okay, that I was going to give back and I was going to do something greater than just myself and my family. And so... um Things progressed, and I got to 34 weeks, five days. I was the third longest patient at Florida Hospital, laying on my back for 97 days. And um, Faith was born, and um, it, she completed our family. And so I have been blessed immensely. And my husband with two just amazing girls. They're so good and sweet and kind and... Um, they were the perfect addition in, in God's timing in our life. So um, the reason why I tell this story is because this was really, I mean, as hard and difficult of, of a path and a journey as this was for me and my body and for my husband and for our relationship. Um, it was really only the, the beginning of... <clears throat> the issues that would start to happen with with me. So, of course, you know, I've been on my back for 97 days and I have complete muscle atrophy. Um, I couldn't walk to the end of my driveway and back. And, um, you know, my husband's like, praise the Lord, she's home. I can actually get my life back together and work, you know, consistently for four days at a time without begging my mother to come and help us. 
um, <clears throat> so that he could keep up with the house and pay bills and watch her at the same time because she was two and a half years old. And so um, as a mom, you know, you come home and you're like, I'm here. This is great. And um, you start just kicking butt and doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. And the first thing that happens is my lower back blows out the first, I think, like the third week I was home. And um, so that was a big indication that my body was uh, not was in pretty bad shape. I'd never had back issues before. And so um, it required my mom to come in and stay with me all the time and help me. And then when Faith was about, uh, then I started having reoccurring strep throat uh, consistently. About every three months, I would get strep throat to the point it was so ridiculous. I had to wear a mask over my face when I was trying to feed the kids and do things because I didn't want to um, get them sick. And my doctor finally said to me, I was 35 years old at the time, and said, um, you have to do something about this. We cannot continue to put you on these massive rounds of antibiotic. And uh, basically what happened is my immune system collapsed after going through everything that I went through to have children. So I had a tonsillectomy done at 35 years of age, which is probably one of the most horrendous surgeries you can have um, at 35. It's way, way worse than um, giving birth to a child. And the recovery was brutal, uh, but um, it was necessary. And um, to this day, I have never had strep throat again. So it ended up being something very advantageous for me. But what was interesting is about six to seven months after Faith was born or is when all the duty started to hit the fan um, health-wise for me. I started, I woke up one night in the middle of the night with my first, um, at the time I didn't know what it was, but I do know what it is now. It was my first panic attack. Um, I sat straight up in bed. My heart was pounding out of my chest. Uh, I thought I was dying and I woke him up and I said, I think I'm dying. I think I'm having a heart attack. You have to take me to the hospital. Um, and so we jump up out of the bed. We have my mom come to stay with the kids. Um, I admit myself into the hospital and we start the whole gamut and run the tests. I do a stress test. I stay overnight only to find out that there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and I'm looking at these doctors, these cardiologists, like they're crazy. I'm like, there is something wrong with me. I've never experienced this before. And I said, well, maybe you were having, um, some type of a panic attack. I'm like, well, why would I have a panic attack? I don't have anything to be worried about. And, um, so little did I know that this would start a journey of, um, panic attacks for me for the next 10 years that this would happen. And that I would be battling uh, these issues. Then uh, the migraine headaches started to set in. Uh, they started one day a week, then two days a week, then three days a week to seven days a week. I would be in a chronic state of migraine. I'd be in a fetal position in my bed. And um, it, it was all I could do just to get my kids dressed and get them off to school in the morning, off to preschool. And I remember... Um, dropping my girls off at preschool and um, looking at all the women in their exercise clothes and bouncing out of their cars. And I felt like I was dying and thinking, all I want to do is feel good one day, just one day to get up and feel good is all I'm asking. But um, things would uh, go otherwise for me. 
And so I started to go to all these doctors, conventional doctors, cardiologists, um, neurologists for my headaches, um, and nothing was changing for me. And uh, so I was referred to a triple certified endocrinologist. Uh, His name is Dr. Edwin Lee. He's actually here in Central Florida. And he's a wonderful, wonderful endocrinologist that went out on his own for into private practice. And I'll never forget, I walked into him into his office at a desperation. And he looked at me and he said, Have you ever had um, an extensive hormone panel done? And I said, no, not really. I I haven't had one in a a long time. And he said, well, um, we're going to do one. He said, because I think I know what's happening. And so he did. And basically, my body was starved of progesterone. I make very little to no progesterone on my own. And I think a lot of women out there who maybe haven't been able to go to the doctors and have the expertise of care that I've had over the last 12 years realize that progesterone is vital, vital, vital to our bodies. And when we don't have enough progesterone, we can miscarry. When we don't have enough progesterone, we can get migraine headaches. When we don't have enough progesterone, it can starve our vascular system. And you can have a spiral of things that are happening. And so um, we started on bioidentical progesterone, not synthetic progesterone, but bioidentical. And I started to immediately feel a little bit better. Not completely, but I started to feel better. And I would still have panic attacks and still have things that would go wrong, but just not all the time. And so during this time, I met a doctor um, to take care of my lower back issues through chiropractic care, but she happened to be a chiropractic acupuncturist, and um, her name was Dr. Geringer, and she would sit with me for my whole hour that I had needles in me, and we we would talk. We'd talk about health issues, and she was the first doctor, now mind you, this is 12 years ago. She was the first doctor that started to really educate me on gut microbiome. And she said, you know, all of your serotonin, everything that has to do with depression or stress or anxiety, it all is made in the gut. And so you need to get your gut cleaned up. And I thought to myself, what in the world is she talking about? And she said, you need to start by first with diet. And so I am going to educate you and you need to start going on massive amounts of supplementation and also change your diet because you're never going to get better unless you start changing, you start clearing up your gut. And so this is the first time that I had ever really heard about this. It intrigued me so much that I became incredibly passionate about functional medicine, about healing my body from the inside out. And it just it completely changed my life. And the health and wellness journey that I've been on since then um, is daily. Um, I still struggle, but um, I am able to sit behind this microphone here today and feel really um, not never really a hundred percent, but feel pretty fantastic for everything that I've been through. Um, so I, I thank her so much for getting me onto this course and I will be having her on, um, one of my podcasts. She will be one of my first doctors because, uh, she just shares such a special place in my heart for what she did to spark this interest in my health. 
And so as I go along and I'm raising the girls, I have quit my job because I can't even sustain a job um, because I was so sickly. Um, I, my daughter, Faith, was about seven years old and I had been battling keratosis polaris on her arms for uh, several years. And they're like raised red bumps for any of you who don't know who that, that is. And it's just like a dry, scaly, um, they look like little pimples on the back of your arms and she'd get them on her legs. And I was constantly battling it. And of course I was changing everything about the way I was living, about how I was eating, about the products that we were using. And I didn't want to keep going on conventional creams for her skin it just in that they weren't working anyway and just by chance I met a um, incredible formulator and environmental chemist his name is Mark and uh, definitely completely by chance but now as when I look back all of the people that were introduced in my life by chance were by no coincidence <clears throat> He um, was doing amazing things um, for environmental cleanups around the world. And he was using these formulations of these prebiotic formulations, and they were stabilizing the ecosystem, basically, um, in the environment and in the water, and they would perfect the water by using these pure prebiotic sources. And I found it to be extremely interesting, but what was what really intrigued me was the fact that over the 25 years that he was doing this, he also realized that the earth and the human body are identical on the fact that they're the only things that both get hot, moist, and wet. And how you control that ecosystem and perfect that ecosystem is is very very similar and it's by perfecting that ecosystem that's that lives in the environment and that lives in our skin and that is called your skin microbiome and I remember when he was talking about it he said you know I through the years I've been testing some of these formulations on diabetic ulcerations just people that would need things I would say here try this um, keratosis, eczema, rosacea, burns, fresh scars, any of that. And I realized that they were having the exact same effect. And it was a pure food source that feeds the skin microbiome. And I thought to myself, skin microbiome, what in the world is that? I mean, this is crazy. Like I've been on this journey learning about gut microbiome, but skin microbiome. And I became really, really intrigued. And mind you, this is seven years ago. And so I started talking to him and he was fascinating and he had a plethora of knowledge. And um, I said, you know, it's funny. My daughter, she's been suffering with this keratosis for like two years. I can't get rid of it. And he said, I tell you what, I'm going to give you um, like this jug of um a liquid that I have and just try it on her, you know, put it in her bath, soak her in it and just see what happens. See if you get any kind of results. And if you do just, you know, give me a call. So I do, I bring it home. My husband thinks I'm crazy. Um, he's like, what in the world is in this? And I said, well, he said, it's completely safe. It's plant-based. It, there's, you know, nothing can harm her. And I'm so thankful to this day that I took a picture of the, how her arms looked the day that we started and um, 21 days later, when she had completely brand new skin on her arms, no bumps, no redness, no nothing. It was brand new skin. So, of course, um, 
this mom here who has been on this health and wellness journey, I am completely amazed. And so I start using it on myself. And I notice that um, my skin starts feeling super soft in like three days. And I say to my husband, you have to feel my skin. It's crazy. He's like, honey, I just think that you're overreacting. I said, no, I, I don't think I am. And so I called Mark and I said, hey, you know what? Um, I'd really like to talk to you. And I'd like to talk to you about uh, in, in more detail about what you've been doing. And so he agrees to meet with me and we proceed to have this really incredible conversation about his journey and what he was doing and about prebiotics. And what's so amazing is that he has been talking about prebiotics and dealing with prebiotics in the environment for 26 years and yet way, way before anybody has been talking about it. And um, I will also have him on here as um, a podcast and we will um, go through his story and some just amazing, amazing things. Uh, I'm super excited. But um, I said to him, why in the world would you not make some of these uh, formulations for the skin? And he said, well, because I'm, um, I deal with the environment. And uh, it's just not my thing. Uh, it, you know, I'm not really into retail. I'm into uh, cleaning up water contamination. And so my sale, my background is in sales and marketing. I worked for a big company for 15 years. And I guess between that and the fact that um, I am a mom now on a mission and a ready fire aim mentality, if you will, I went to my husband and I said, I think I know what I want to do for the second part of my life. And he said, I think you have a third eye. He's like, are you crazy? He, and I said, I, I don't think I am. I, I mean, I think that this is my mission and this is my passion. I want to share this. Why wouldn't anybody, why wouldn't any mom or any family want to use cleaner alternatives for their skin that that works and so i i don't know again i think it's just um god's plan his timing in our lives and so for a year <clears throat> we worked with mark to come up with conducive skincare formulas um, that felt good to the touch that were um, if still effective where the prebiotic formula would not break apart and a year late, we tested it. We tested it from newborns to older people. No one ever had a reaction. It's, uh, we're completely plant-based. Um, and we launched Olivia five and a half years ago. And it has been an incredibly um, humble run for sure for us. Um, me having sales background, I can remember we started, we launched in the state of Florida first and I'd go around to, uh, health and wellness locations and, um, small health food stores and, you know, just in, go to trade shows. And I can remember talking to people about Olivia and prebiotics and they would all correct me and they're like, you mean a probiotic, right? Because everything has been, all, all the talk has always been about prebiotic, probiotics, probiotics for your gut, probiotics for your skin, probiotics and skincare. It's all about putting live bacteria back on your skin. And so it was difficult and a hard journey because nobody was talking about the prebiotic, the actually the vital part that we need to feed 
the skin microbiome or the good bugs or the good bacteria that we all have on our skin at all times. And when you feed it, the proper food, it actually grows, it, it multiplies at a much faster rate, and it starts to balance the ecosystem on the skin. And this is why Alivia sees so many results. And we get testimonies almost daily that come in because we're actually changing what's happening on the skin. And so it, it, was, it was a hurdle, but I think um, the first two, three years um, was very slow. And then all of a sudden, mainstream started to pick up a little bit on prebiotic and started talking about it. Nutritionists started talking about prebiotic. Gastrointestinal doctors start talking about prebiotics. And the best part that the prebiotic is actually almost more vital than the probiotic. And then dermatologists start going rogue and talking about prebiotics and how vital they are for the skin. And prebiotics and the gut-brain-skin connection and how imperative it all is for us to have an overall health, having prebiotics to feed the bacteria in our guts to have optimal health, the prebiotics to feed the live bacteria that's on our skin to have optimal skin health, and so on and so forth. So this uptick in awareness has been amazing. Um, it's it's just um, a beautiful um, uh new it's it's so exciting for me because i feel like climbing to on top of a mountain and just screaming just so thankful that people are actually starting to talk about this now and um it's just building legs and building momentum so so here i am and here we are five and a half years into it we tripled in size last year and we are just super excited um, my husband and I have financed this business completely on our own. We don't have any outside investors. We um, are incredibly, incredibly passionate. It's like our third baby. Um, the quality control, everything is every single vat of uh, Olivia is is handmade, um, and it's just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful company that I'm very passionate about. And the fun part is, is that we have some really great products um, in the lineup. Uh, that we will be introducing, but we really needed to wait to kind of build momentum and to know that, hey, are people going to really catch on to this? Are people going to really, you know, embrace the fact of how important prebiotics are for the skin? And now we know that yes, indeed, that people are embracing and we're super excited. So we hope that you will join us as we continue to grow and continue to bring um, beautiful new products um, to the lineup of Olivia that are all um, stem around live bacteria um, that stem around um, superfood for the skin and to constantly be feeding the um, beneficial microbiome on the skin to have optimal skin health. Um, so, over the course of this year, I will be doing podcasts on not only my health and wellness journey and incredible doctors and people in my community that have helped me get to where I am today, because I think it's important to share our stories. Uh, it's important to, um, my mission is not only to bring um, awareness about prebiotics in Olivia, but also to 
help maybe somebody else that is really, really suffering, um, suffering either whether it's uh, infertility, you might be going through that. And I felt like it was time for me to tell my story and that um, I am here to help and to provide resources and that if we can help one person or one family um, fulfill their dream of having a child, that it is possible. And then um, when everything I've been going through uh, personally on my health and wellness journey and all the incredible doctors I've been fortunate enough to see, a lot of people can't afford. And it's really, it's, it's a shame that that's the way our system is. But I often said, maybe at some point in my life, I'll write a book about it, but I don't even hardly have time to read a book, much less write about it right now at this point in my life. But I can share it through my words and through this time that I sit here behind the microphone. And um, I will be sharing that this year. And so I hope that you will come along with me and our family as we go through this journey to um bring you the best information, uh, real conversations about health and wellness and about beautiful skincare products and what we're doing to get everybody in your family on board and the healthiest that they can be. So I thank you for tuning in and I look forward to being behind this microphone again very soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, rate, and comment. Until next time, I am Kelly Graham, and this is All Things Real.